Welcome to Light Muse. We're your hosts, Flannery Underwood and Jessica Cabasi. And today we're talking with Lindsay Adler, a fashion and portrait photographer and Canon ambassador. You may have seen her classes on Creative Live, taken one of her workshops, or seen her representing Canon at a major photography expo. So Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on. Hi guys, thanks for having me. Lindsay, at the beginning of our podcast, we do a quick rapid fire question set. So we'll go through, there's about 10, and just answer whatever comes to your mind first. They're pretty easy. So first one, where are you in the world right Mm -hmm. now? And just describe three things you're in the room with. Okay, I am uh, in New Jersey, and I am in a room with a dog, a boyfriend, and stone and wood walls. And what's the most common question you get asked and what's the answer? Most common question I get asked would be, um, what do you recommend for a photographer just starting out? And my answer is usually that you should shoot as much as possible and then eventually find what you're most passionate about and specialize in that and make yourself the expert. And right now, what is your go-to camera setup? Uh, my go-to camera setup right now is a camera that none of you guys have yet because it's super secret and I can't tell you. Ooh, we love secrets. We love, we love a good uh, secret but camera But usually, we'll go, we'll go before that one because I can't say that one yet. Um, I have, uh, I usually shoot with a Canon 5D Mark IV and the EOS R when I'm on location. And most often I'm shooting with a 24 to 105 lens. That's my nice. most flexible one. And would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? Oh man, I ride the line right in between those two because I get energy from other creatives, but at the same time, I don't, uh, I don't always need to be the center of attention and I need my alone time. My boyfriend's looking over as I'm saying that going, that's totally not true. Um, what does he well, think you okay. are? Well, am I an introvert or an extrovert, Chris? Mostly an extrovert, ah, he says. The but first th- one. But mostly. Mostly. I think, I think you, uh, you, you have certain introvert characteristics. I have introvert characteristics, only, he says. Only to, uh, to appease me. To appease him. He says I have introvert <laughs> oh, characteristics wow. to appease him. So you mean that I like leave you alone sometimes? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, not yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. It's so funny. I feel like that's mainly switch. Majority of people we've had on, even though we think they're extroverts, are like, oh, I'm super introvert. But we're like, really? It's so shocking. I, I like, we'll put it this way. The reason I think I'm in between is there's some people that I'm like, oh my gosh, that person is a lot. You mm-hmm. know, and I pictured them as the extrovert. So I'm like, oh, I'm not that. But maybe I am that. I don't know. <laughs> you're you're a good middle. <laughs> I think I'm a middle. Nice. Okay. What's one thing most people wouldn't or don't know about you? That uh, most people don't know that I grew up on a farm um, and that I, even though I live in New York and, you know, a lot of times I'm dressing up for my videos, like I love hiking and being outdoors as long as at the end of the night I'm in a hotel or a bed because I hate camping. Mm -hmm. It's the worst. And where is the most interesting place you've traveled through your work? Um, I shot, uh, shot and traveled in Dubai. And it's not that the Dubai itself was the most interesting, but where I shot was awesome. I shot out in these huge sand dunes, literally red sand dunes, hundreds of feet high. And uh, when we shot in the morning, uh, it was freezing cold. I was all bundled up. And, and then by 10 o'clock in the morning, the sand was so hot, I couldn't step on it. So it was just like, it was very exotic. Wow. We had a camel come up to us in the middle of the shoot. 
like Very a wild exotic. camel? No, apparently they all belong to people, but they can let them like kind of free roam. Oh, wow. They have like yeah. a leash. The guy's like, come here, come back, yeah. Jack. It's time to eat. And they, I, I forget if it was which direction it was, but they're like, oh, that one's okay. They're nice. But the other gender, if I don't know if it was male or female, will like bite your head off. And we're like, oh, oh my God. Okay, good. good. Great. That's good to know. Amazing. It was cool though. So were the dunes actually a red color or were it yeah. more like a sandy? It was like, it was like red orange. It was wow. stunning. And what was really cool is when we drove, uh, we had these, you know, like four by four, like exhibitions or whatever. Um, and we drive out to the edge of the sand they let the tires out and then you just drive into an abyss of nothing. Like it's sand for as far as you can see. You're like, how do you guys know where you're going? And you just see like sand dunes way out in the distance. It, it, it definitely made me feel like an adventurer. I, I feel like, like my anxiety would, uh, the, the open expansiveness, everything, it would either be a really good thing or, or like I would panic. And being with drivers, you have no idea if they're abducting you. Why <laughs> you're like, oh, okay, just take me out in the desert. Sure. Great. <laughs> it worked okay, out. Okay, next, next question. Which app are you spending most of your time on right now? Um, definitely Instagram because I use it not just to share my work, but I really use it for inspiration. I'm trying to, to keep uh, a constant flow of, of good quality visuals in my life. And what does success mean to you? Uh, success in my life has changed uh, because when I was younger, success meant certain things that were publications or money. Uh, but right now I feel successful because I'm genuinely happy and genuinely love what I do. And I don't think that many people really get to feel like this level of being fulfilled. And last question, where can people follow you or find you online? You can find me all over the place, uh, but Instagram is probably the best. Lindsay Adler underscore photo. Uh, my education's at Learn with Lindsay. And oh, guys, I signed up for my TikTok like oh, yesterday. God, I didn't do TikToker. any yet. Yes. I didn't do it. I'm, uh, I didn't do it yet. Another I don't one. know. <laughs> Instagram, know. Instagram is where I am. Like that's where I share the most. You guys, we're gonna not see Lindsay post for like a month, and I'll be like, she's on TikTok. <laughs> but like. Like, I can't help it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel like such an old person, but, like, it feels just like it's only dancing right now. <laughs> and, like, yeah. I got to, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I sold. saw your we'll moves. See. You could do it. Come on. Oh, those moves are just for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, clip it, put it on my TikTok. <laughs> I'll send you one later. TikTok's another beast, though. You know, it's so addicting because watching the videos, they're so short, and a lot of them are so funny, so you can just spend hours. It's like a time suck. That's the scariest part for sure. Yeah, I, I, I also though like it's a, a good way when I hear and I'm I like I'm genuine. I'm not that old. I'm not that out of it. But when I hear my assistants say certain things, I'm like, I didn't catch that social reference. Could you please explain it? And it's a TikTok <laughs> thing. I'm like, oh, okay, I gotta, I gotta check this out. And yeah. thank God for like me watching. I have like some beauty influencer videos that I watch because I get half of my you know current colloquial terms from that. Otherwise, I'd have mm -hmm. no clue. Oh yeah, God. the drama I'm channels trying. on YouTube. Yeah. Oh, listen, I've I've watched them. Doesn't mean like regularly. Ooh, we gotta talk I'm about like... that after. <laughs> oh my gosh, I watched those too. What about the ASMR? Are you into those, Lindsay? You were doing some ASR yeah. ASMR this morning. No, like I'm I'm not, but I like the idea of when there's a like a sexy microphone. Like you know, it sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. And they wow. do that. Nails on it. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know what would. I, I feel like most of the stuff would freak me out. Like, oh my god, yeah. nails or like. There's some people doing weird stuff, like or like eating. chewing. Yeah. Yes, no. nothing eating, gross. No, <laughs> well, freaks me out. It's too much. We were talking about Dexter, like in in the beginning of Dexter, when there's like there's chewing and there's like you see like meet up clothes, like the the, oh. the whole Dexter intro freaks me out, and that's not even gory. Too much, too close. I know. We put you through some stuff today. We had the microphone situation, and but you were and we were. I don't know. It was we had a lot going on. I'm glad we got this. You would resolved. You would think since we're so tech savvy that it would be like nothing. But no one saw it. We're good. I love I loved seeing you struggle to connect the AirPods, but you could set up like a whole studio thing and do everything. I love totally. it. Making me feel old. I'm like, oh, wait, what are these things? Like the, the, we were saying the Zoom meetings and the headphones. It's annoying. It's annoying to keep up with everything. So I feel you. I never did a Zoom meeting, by the way. So Oh, so we're not alone. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'll eventually. Zoom. I'm a newbie. Actually, so true story. Yesterday, I had an art director for one of the beauty brands that uh, I shoot for email me and say, hey, have you done any Zoom or FaceTime photo shoots? Uh, Can you send me samples because we're thinking about moving forward with this? So like I could actually get paid to know how Zoom and FaceTime works. Like, I mean, obviously it's not what I'm getting paid for, but so I like I quickly like scrambled and I'm like, oh, I have one planned next week. And I like went and like dm'd all these models just to say hey any of you up for it and they, I, I found two people so i'll do it I'll for it you Lindsay. have you done it i haven't you know i've been seeing a lot of the facetime stuff and like i think it, it's like a little oversaturated don't you think like with the face it's like a glorified selfie you know there's one dude who's crazy good at it Hold i on, think i, I know what you're up. talking about he's like a oh, portrait photographer is he on this TikTok? guy's italian Yes, oh, I know no. exactly what you're talking about. It, uh, what's his name? It starts with an A. a. Yeah. Yep. Alessio, Alessio Albi. He is amazing. <sighs> I love his photography from beforehand, up. but then he was the first person I saw to do the FaceTime shoots, and like he set the bar so high that no one can even touch it. Like it, it's they're really good. So we'll see how mine turn out compared to his. Are you doing FaceTime or Zoom? I well, I think it's going to have to be FaceTime because I don't know how to Zoom. <laughs> but I'd have to look this up. I mean, I'm sure someone's already done a tutorial because you know how quick this is. But, like, what yeah. is my best chances of getting good quality? Like, you don't. That's it? the FaceTime. That's the mm-hmm. beauty of FaceTime. Low quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It makes it look uh, authentic and unrehearsed because it's bad. It's really all about where the model places the phone and everything. So it's, there's not much you can do in terms. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I'm maybe like, doing a FaceTime. You got to make sure people have like maybe like iPhone 11, like, you know, like like the newest one. So their cameras yeah. are the best quality. They're like, hey, I model, have an iPhone 6. You're this. like, uh. <laughs> I have the dinosaur like, like, one. Can reschedule? People are judging me for this phone. I'm like, it's not even that old. Like, I'm not spending another $1,000 on a phone. Mm-mm. I know. I usually wait. And I was planning on upgrading because I had all these places I was going to go this summer. So I'm like, oh, I need a new phone. And now I'm like, oh, hmm. Guess this phone will be fine. <laughs> we ain't going nowhere. No. Have you been dealing with the quarantine? Totally fine. Um, like, don't get me wrong. There's been days where I like literally the whole day goes by and I go, oh crap, I did nothing. Literally, like I rewatched all of Dexter. Is that a good show? Oh, I love Dexter. But yes. is it really, really violent? Like, can someone like me who doesn't like needles can I get through it? No. no. <laughs> No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, one of the key plot points is he puts a needle in their neck to knock them out. Okay. 
That's so don't, no. That's no. I'll just idea. cover. I'll, I could cover the screen. No. Okay. Yeah. If you if you if you skip that part, you're fine. I don't know. I don't even know why. I like and why why I chose that to rewatch when there's a million other good things. I think it's because I already saw it and then I knew I didn't have to focus on it. But yeah. So there's days where it's like, oh, I just watched seven episodes of Dexter. But then there's days like today. I woke up. I filmed a bunch of. Uh, do I did a virtual studio? Have you have you seen that? Like they have those virtual. It's like computer-based studio. So it's one of them's called Setalite. And so I did some tutorials where I literally go into this fake studio and set up the lights and stuff. So I did that this morning. And then I recorded some videos, uh, like interview stuff. And then I'm talking to you. So today makes up for the rest of the week. The, the whole Dexter binge. <laughs> exactly. So there, there hasn't been any Love is Blind binge. You haven't gotten into 90 Day Fiance. Oh, no. Well... <laughs> actually this came up in conversation yesterday because there's an episode where the guy was introducing the girl to a bidet <gasps> wait <laughs> wait i wait, p- okay, wait explain this to me which one like in 90 day fiance the girl had never seen one i don't know it was like because it w- this was like a clip online uh that like popped up in my feed and long story short is we bought we 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 went all in we bought a bidet over here so they inspired you guys highly recommend <laughs> they have some re- i love bidets honestly like it's it's normal um like I've, I've seen one before and they have some in japan so i've seen them everywhere they, and they, one one thing i love is heated toilet seats have you tried that but it's not nice. shocking especially like in the middle of the night no, it's so Guys, good. I just, I just sleep <laughs> on the toilet seat. I'm like, this is so warm. And honestly, I, like, I, during Corona time, like, getting a bidet might be, like, the best investment of your life because, like, I feel like when the toilet paper shortage happened, everyone with bidets were like, ah, laughing at you guys. Look at me. I had, I had literally just gotten one, so I felt very yes. like, ahead of the times, ahead yes. of the rush. Exactly. We're classy. Um, <laughs> we're classy. Jess, you, you were in Tokyo for a while, right? You know, I was supposed to be in Japan in March, and then this whole thing happened. And but I, the last time I was there was in December, so I was recently mm-hmm. there. And then it was it was right before all this went down, so it was pretty crazy. It's one of the places I haven't been that I want to go. You haven't been there. There's nothing that's even brought me close. Like I I really want to go, but what what time of year? If you've been a bunch, right? Yeah, and Flannery's actually come with me for uh, a trip or two. I think we would recommend. I think what Flannery March, April. I think is a really good I mean, time. We went at the height of cherry blossom season, which was totally unfair, and we got there at the perfect time where everything was oh, blooming. Man. It's so and nice. it was perfect, and everyone was telling us like, this year is the best year. Last year they all got knocked down because of the rain, so I think we just lucked out. But spring was definitely magical. I've been there doing during Halloween too, which was also really fun. They go oh, so way harder than we do, do here, they? which is yes. surprising. I mean, I know, like stereotypically, I feel like I would have thought, you know, like anime and dress up and things like that. But I didn't, wouldn't have thought Halloween, right? No, I know. they do. I went. And I was awesome. like, I don't need to bring like a costume. Everyone was dressed up. I was like the one person. <laughs> Dude, they dress up when, even when it's not Halloween. I true. love that. They're, so the, the Lolita and the and Harajuku. It's it's my you need to go. You need to. That go. Sounds beautiful. Especially as a photographer, nighttime photography there. Even if you're the type of photographer like you don't like shooting at night. No, in Japan, it becomes like your new th- your new favorite thing in the world. Sounds fantastic. 
we gotta go. All we right. gotta plan when a trip. When this is all over, <laughs> this, is, this is all over. Post Corona, post Corona Japan trip. Okay, great. This is our reward. You were telling us earlier about a story about what was it? I have like the worst memory ever. Flannery, help me out here. What the uh, story? Model? <laughs> Wait, the model that didn't want to, oh, the photos. Oh, okay, yeah. So that part. You were talking about a model that when you showed him pictures in the back of your camera, he didn't want to see them. Yeah, well, it's, it's super weird because I we're talking about our our process and, and shooting, and I um I always show the models the photos because I want to like reassure them, hey, it looks good, or show them if something needs to be improved or whatever it may be. And there's this one guy, super striking, amazing cheekbones, like gorgeous. And I got really excited. And he was like, no, no, I don't like to uh, intrude on the photographer's process. I don't want to see you direct me, you guide me. I just want to be in it with you. And I was like, it was so intense. Because when I shoot, like I'm, I'm friendly and I'm bubbly and I'm back and forth. And this guy was like, so serious. It, was, it freaked me out. I was like, okay, so I hope you like he's, it. He's like, back away. Back away, I don't want to see these images. Even though he's probably looking in the mirror, it's the same thing. <laughs> like, you're looking yeah. in the mirror, got it, this, you know? No, not the same. It's not the same, but. I've, I've never, I've never had that happen before. Like, every, all the models usually want to see. Unless they're like, I'm, I don't know how often you get this. Periodically, I get the models that are totally disinterested. So they look only just to look to make sure they're not looking horrible, but they don't really care. Like, let me check most, my lipstick. Most girls mm-hmm. care. Yeah, yeah, most girls care. But then there's the occasional who just can't be bothered and like okay at least I don't look horrible I feel like that would be me because I'm like really awkward in pictures but I I can't imagine a model not wanting to see the pictures in the back of the camera because don't you want to see how it's turning out have you ever had a model who looked at it and was like oh I don't like these I mean I've probably had a model that like critiqued like oh I don't like this bump in my nose or something like I like the other angle or whatever okay. but mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever had one that said they didn't like the photos oh my gosh that would be scary and then it would <laughs> oh my god no you got me freaked out that no. would be the worst I've nightmare even somebody who you know when you show people pictures and they don't like you're really excited but they don't really say much and you're just like okay like you're hoping one picture will catch their eye but they're like yeah okay and you're like did I not do a good job so kind of sometimes gets to me I'm like did I yeah I could have done better some people just don't have any personality to give <laughs> like sometimes there's oh true <laughs> so when you do show photos, are you tethering and you're showing them like a larger version or are you showing the back of your camera? I almost, well, I shoot in the studio a ton. Like most of the time I'm in the studio. It's just in New York, it's, it is, it can be quite a hassle to shoot on New York City streets and our weather is terrible. So besides that, I also like the control of the studio. I'm kind of a control freak. So when I'm in the studio, I'm always tethering and it's hooked up. Oh, wait, I do remember a time now where a model didn't like it. That reminded me. Okay, so it was this girl. She was actually one of the winners of America's Next Top Model. Okay, just okay. Um, I won't say it's girl, and it was tethered, and she was wearing a silk, a silk dress, and I took a shot of her, and it was a light test, and she saw it, but the way she was standing, her stomach was stick- sticking out, and she goes, "Oh dear Lord, am I gonna look pregnant in every shot?" And I was like. I was like mortified. So I just stared at her, made eye contact, and I turned the screen away from her. It was like so dramatic. Oh, I forgot that one. Yes. So yes. But the point is, I shoot tethered unless there's a little bit of drama and then I got to flip it around. But that doesn't usually happen. What do you do in that situation? When you you turn the thing, did she say anything to you? 
Oh, so, so no, she. So I don't think I don't think she liked her makeup. Um, and this was years ago. This was probably like I don't know seven years ago. That also like narrows down who it is. Okay, seven years ago, whatever. Um, she. I don't think she liked her makeup because it was colorful, color blocking, and like you got to feel confident to like pull that off, and she wasn't. So I think she was just like moody. And I shot as quick as I could to get her out of there. Like if it wasn't for a client, it was for an editorial. So if someone doesn't want to be there, like there's only so far you can try to pick up their personality, make them happy. You definitely get that vibe like when you're shooting and a model who no matter what is super happy and confident, you can definitely feel that energy and mm-hmm. it kind of fuels you as a photographer. Like when the model is so happy to be there and, and is happy with whatever outfit, makeup, it makes me as a photographer want to work even harder. I'm like, wow, she's like really into this. And it doesn't matter how gorgeous a girl is and how much I love the shots. If she were difficult, she'll never get hired on any of my commercial work. Like, like I, I, it doesn't matter how amazing she looked. I'm not going to recommend her for a paid job. And I, I feel like the good ones know that. Um, most honestly, most of the time, the ones that are higher up the rung, like more established, most of the time they have great personality because they know what is needed to get along in the industry. So what do you do in a situation where you do have a model that's difficult to work with? Because I've been in this situation. And for me, mm-hmm. I did something like you. I was just like, let's get this over with pretty quickly. I like didn't even do two outfits. I was like, let's just do one and finish this up because it doesn't seem like she really is like vibing and doesn't really seem like she wants to be here. So wh- like what kind of advice would you give to somebody in this situation? All right. So I, have, I actually have like a, a process that I go through. Um, first, if the person doesn't seem to have a good attitude, I'll talk to my makeup artist. And I'll say like, hey, see if you can warm her up, you know. And, and that's one of the reasons, if you meet any of my makeup artists, they have really warm personalities because they're the first line. Like they're the first person that they're really interacting with uh, and they set the tone for the shoot. So we try that. And then if the person persists to have a bad mood, I'll, like a bad attitude, I'll come over and say, hey, so uh, I'm just getting a vibe that you're not happy is there anything I could do to make make this better because then I put it on them like I'm saying like listen I'm here to give 100% tell me what to do and most of the time they'll be like oh I'm sorry you know I had a fight with my boyfriend or like oh you know I'm not feeling well and then I'll say okay what can I get you and then you know once in a while they're just going to be difficult and I shoot as quickly as can and push them out you know you can't please yeah. everybody. There's a lot of models with such different personalities, and it's hard to, you know, you have to adapt to different personalities as a photographer. Totally. Every model I, is different. I will say that, like, 95% of the time, the models are a joy to work with. 95% of the time. Oh, like, I, I definitely agree. And, I mean, maybe it's, like, TV shows or something, but I don't know why people would think they're difficult. Like, they're not. They're happy to be there and create, and, yeah, I love it. What do you think the etiquette should be between photographers and models? Because for me, I think there always needs to be um, like consent, like asking if they can move a hair, piece of hair. And a lot of the time, yeah. it's something the model can do on her own. A thousand percent. I never touch my model pretty much ever, first of all. Uh, what, if I need something changed, the first thing I do is ask her, like, hey, can you fix your strap? Can you whatever? And then if it's something that's bigger, I'll ask a hairstylist or makeup artist. But, like, I don't. It, like, th- maybe if there's, like, a hair I want really specifically placed, I'll come up and be like, hey, do you mind? I just really want to carefully place it. And then they'll be like, oh, sure, no problem. Like, it's got to be that. Um, 
I don't know. If you don't, if you need to touch your model to direct, then you don't know how to direct. I couldn't have said mm-hmm. it better. As a woman in this space, that you've had to overcome more obstacles, or that it's also an asset for you to be such an incredible photographer, doing amazing work, to have a known name. Do you think that has become an asset for you, or do you think it's you just had to overcome so much more than a male photographer in your position? I'm going to say both, uh, because. When I first started, and this is like my little sob story, it's not a big sob story, but like when I first moved to New York, I heard that the way that you succeed in fashion and beauty is you assist. Like that's that's kind of the line that we were told. You, uh, you assist, you learn, you connect to that person, um, you connect to other assistants, like that's the way to do it, there's no other way. And when I first got to New York, I felt kind of crushed because some of the first like three people that I reached out to were male photographers. There weren't many female photographers. And for one reason or another, the three guys rejected me because I was a woman. The first guy Mm. said that uh, his wife wouldn't allow him to have female assistants. So I'm not sure if that was his problem or her problem, but I was like, okay, that's not a great marriage, but okay, cool. Uh, So I moved on to the next person. The next guy uh, told me that he needed assistants that were strong and could lift gear, so he only hired male assistants. He told wow. me like, that. Flat out told that to me. Wow. And like, wow. listen, I might not be strong now, but I was totally respectably strong then, okay? Um, <laughs> That's yeah. so and sexist. I, That's so crazy to me. Wow. You yeah. are strong, and then Lindsay. In, I, well, listen, I'm out here in, in the, the country during all of this, and I've been lifting, lifting rocks, so I'm getting, like, yes. getting my muscles back. Getting buff. Um, yeah, and then the third guy just made a comment about, um, I don't know exactly how he worded it, but it was something like, like not, I don't want to say community, but, like, his team had a bond, and it was guys. Like, it, it, you kind of implied that, like, there's not really room for you. So, I'm so surprised they sh- told you those things well straight up me too the first the first two it was just like nope my wife says no and I was like what at least lie Um, or something make up something like hey my cat doesn't you know get along with (laughs) you (laughs) (laughs) totally um and so uh long story short then I I kind of like stomped my feet and was a little bit moody about it um and so I was like, fine, I guess no one's, I guess I'm not going to be able to assist. I guess I'm going to have to do this on my own. So I definitely think there's opportunities I missed, both because of what was said to me, but also how I handled it. I didn't necessarily persevere and continue to assist, although I turned out fine. Like, it's fine. (laughs) Um, But nowadays, I definitely think that there are opportunities for being, in being a woman that is helpful. And a lot of times I'm working on all female teams. The hairstylist, the makeup artist, the wardrobe stylist, like a lot of times it's all women. Uh, and, and now, no, this is, I've, I've been in New York for over 10 years. In the beginning, I was seeing very few art directors that were women. Now, a lot of times the art directors and the producers, like it's, it's good. It, it feels like there's more opportunities to connect because there are, there's more diversity in general, not just gender, but overall. I love the story of how you took something that could have prevented you from even starting photography because a lot of photographers would be in that situation and be like, okay, I guess I'm not getting anywhere and that's it. That's the end of the story. But for you, you use that as fuel and your motivation to say, okay, well, if this person doesn't want me to, to, to help me, I'm going to do it by, by myself. Would you say that's kind of how your story started? Like that's how it was like, like a catalyst for your photography? I think 
I'm one of those lucky people that in my life, there was lots of things I wasn't sure about, like certain, certain things I wasn't confident about. I mean, I think we all have that. But one thing I always felt certain of was photography. Like, I, I, and not to be all melodramatic about it, but my self-esteem has always been linked to being a photographer. Like I started shooting when I was 12 and I was good at it. And then I obviously got better and better. And so it, it, it always felt like something that I was improving in and achieving. And so when I felt rejected, I felt like they made a mistake. <laughs> it was their loss. Mm -hmm. and, and other things in life, I wouldn't have felt that way, for sure. It's just photography was the thing that it had existed consistently through in my entire adult life when everything else had changed. And it still did. So that's why I love it so much. It is me. And it's, I mean, it's- Did you go to school my for joy photography? Is. I did, and I'm not going to hate on my school, but I will say to those of you out there, like it's not necessary to go to school, mm -hmm. but I say it's important for those of you who need the guidance. Um, so I didn't start shooting fashion. Like fashion and beauty is my specialty now, um, but I was shooting babies and families and high school seniors and weddings and yeah, like I was doing the <laughs> like, you know, rural small town America portrait studio. And when I went to college, that's where I discovered what I wanted to do. And that's why it was so important to me is because they made us do everything. I did photojournalism and I shot product and like I had, you know, you had all those assignments, which I would have never have done. And I didn't think I would like fashion and beauty because I've never been like a fashionista. It's not like, oh, yes, that Givenchy, blah, blah, you know, like it's not that. Um, it's not my that's not what fuels me. Um, so I assumed I didn't like fashion photography. And then I saw it and I'm like, oh, that's what it's supposed to be. It's storytelling, it's elegant, it's conceptual, but I didn't know that even existed before college. So like pros and cons. I went to, I went to Syracuse University. Totally. And I'm also going to give you a little shout out because I know you have a bunch of amazing workshops and you do stuff on Creative <laughs> Live. So I mean, now more than ever, students don't necessarily have to take the traditional education route. There's so much education available through YouTube or places like Creative Live mm -hmm. that's just so accessible. And so you can try all these things out at home or wherever you are in the world. So I think that's awesome. So shout out to your classes because I know you. they're awesome. I've heard really good things. I appreciate it. No, I think it's all about discipline and it's hard to have discipline to like try things and to, to focus. So it's, you know, that's why it's good when you have photo friends like you guys or someone who keep you accountable, keep you shooting, keep you experimenting. Cause when you exist alone in a bubble and you're supposed to learn things, I don't know. Like I'm very impressed by how many people can focus on, on educating themselves with photography, especially with so much going on in life. Like I applaud people for that. You know, it's easy for me to do cause it's a hundred percent of my life. <laughs> so like, it's all, we do. all I do. That's it. So yeah. So you said you moved to New York 10 years ago. T talk to us a little bit, like, where did you grow up? Like, how, like I don't know, I'm kind of interested in the Lindsay outside of <laughs> photography. Sure. So I don't, I don't think I personally fit any definable mold because I actually, I grew up on a farm. What? Yeah. yeah I love that. Um, upstate New York. So B Binghamton, New York is the closest thing. There's university there. Some people know it. Canadians know it because there was a, a hockey team there. That's <laughs> like, otherwise no one knows. <laughs> um, but I, I will also pause and say I hardly ha did any of the, the farm work. Like, you know, it was basically hay season. That's when I'd come out and I'd drive the tractor around and like cute stuff like that. Um, so I, my early photography started with my grandma and my mom and my aunt were all hobbyist photographers. 
Um, so it was super cute. And we would all go around the family farm. And so I have somewhere back on film, I have hundreds of pictures of mushrooms and cows. Yes. And like that was like the stuff that excited me early on. I got a macro lens. Like that was the most amazing thing in the entire world because I could you know, see what people couldn't see. Um, and then I, when I discovered that I was good at photography or at least good for a 12 year old, you know, like, like people seemed impressed and they're giving you positive reinforcement. Um, then I, my mom is so sweet. My mom and dad, um, they encouraged me and they would take me if there'd be like little speakers in the area, we'd go, I'd go see the photo speaker and then we'd go to little events and, um, I was about a four hour drive outside of New York City. And so we'd actually go to the Photo Plus Expo in New York every year. No way. So my mom would take me and it was like family bonding. Every year we'd go down. And so I remember seeing the Explorers of Light speaking at the Canon stage and just being like, oh my God, I want to be one of these people, like all that kind of stuff. Um, so, I mean, fast forward, I ended up doing portraits because that's how you make a living in small town, you know, small town America. It's, you shoot weddings and babies and all that stuff. And I decided I wanted to take it seriously and I decided I wanted to go to school for photography. And that's when I figured I wanted to be fashion. So I um, had my portrait studio. I worked for two years to save enough money before moving to New York. So, so was there ever a time in your journey? Cause it seems like you really latched onto this at like a young age and you were developing with it and you kind of knew from the start that it was what you wanted to do. But was there ever a time where you I mean, doubted yourself enough where you've considered maybe switching up your career at all? Or was it always just like this deep love for photography that got you through? Um, oh, I, I word it like this. I purposely didn't have a plan B, so plan A had to work. <laughs> um, and plan A was to be a photographer, but I pivoted within that. Um, but no, there was, never, there was never a question. It was going to be that from the beginning. I will say though, this is like, okay, Kids can be mean. And I remember my ninth grade boyfriend told me that if I were a photographer, I'd end up being a starving artist and I was much smarter than that, so I shouldn't do it. And like, you remember these things. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, so people <laughs> that discourage you suck, uh, but thankfully my parents True. were very encouraging. So like the most important people pushed me in the right direction. He, has he seen your work now? <laughs> Do you have like an email list? You gotta find his you email. Gotta, like, like send accidentally him an email. put him on so you get all their, your updates. <laughs> oh man, I, I genuinely have not looked this kid up since. Yeah. Oh no, and when I think of how long high school was ago, it makes me really sad. <laughs> so wait, so you mentioned that you have like younger assistants. So if someone wanted to mm -hmm. be an assistant for you, like how would they go about doing that, and how do you find your assistants? Good question. So originally, I actually got all of my assistants from photo schools. Uh, so there was uh, Brooks Institute, and then there was a Hallmark School, and there were a couple other places, and they've legit all gone out of business. Like, all of them have closed. Really? And, and I liked the idea because when I went to photo schools, because they could get an idea from a teacher of the work ethic. To me, I don't care what your photos look like. I want to know that you are going to be putting your all into it. And, for example, you know, my most, not my most recent intern, but the one before that, she uh, shoots product photography. Her work doesn't look anything like mine. And that was completely irrelevant. Like I wanted to know that she was a hard worker. So uh, a lot of times what I do is I'll give people a day to assist um, if they're in New York or if they, they're coming to visit or like a day to lend a hand. 
And I know from that first day if they would be a good fit for me based on personality and work ethic. It doesn't, I can, it doesn't matter if they don't know what they're doing or what light goes where. It's, I can tell how attentive they're being, if they're watching how I'm working or the assistants. Uh, and then usually from there, I can decide if I want to offer them uh, an internship opportunity. Do you have multiple assistants that you're rotating through? And then, you know, obviously as an assistant, you can't keep that job forever. It's like a stepping stone into something else. So mm -hmm. how do you deal with that? You know, obviously if you find someone, you want to keep them around, but you know, how do you kind of pass them on when they're ready to go? Oh, totally. Now, that's a really good question. Um, so usually I, how it works is I have uh, an intern and interns will get like their stipend. They get a, a flat rate for working for, you know, usually it's three to six months. We kind of decide what we think is the best fit for them. And then after that, they graduate on to being an assistant. So I have uh, someone who will be in a, a first assistant. Uh, so they're the ones that are the boss. And it's usually based on seniority. So who's been with me the longest. And then the per the second person the second slot i just rotate between my assistants like who i have who have i hired recently um maybe this person has another job so they're busy that's great i want to encourage them to have other work but i know this person hasn't worked in a while so i, I try to help them out um you know it's hard to say what's the right amount of time because there was kind of there used to be a rule that it was somewhere like five years like three to five years um before you'd step out on your own and a lot of people try to do it earlier. And it's not that it's, it's bad um, to, to try to go on your own earlier, but a, a lot of times people need that time to grow and to build their portfolios and to experiment. So um, I have some assistants that are already working and you know they only assisted for a year and a half. And I have others that have been with me for a very long time and like the assisting world. And they, they like seeing the behind the scenes of other photo shoots and learning. And sure, they do their own stuff, but they still like helping other people, so. Can that yeah. be a full-time job for someone to be like a first assistant? Yes, uh, for sure. Uh, and the example I give is not even of one of my own assistants. When I was in LA, uh, I had a big shoot and they only let me bring one of, one of my assistants. So uh, I had a recommendation of a professional assistant. And I was like, well, that's a weird way to put it because like aren't all assistants <laughs> professional? No, this guy was mind blowing. His name was Jimmy. He showed up where he had a bag filled with tools. He had his gaff tape, but he had all this grip, like anything you'd need to set up. Um, he had like a, a tool belt on, he had gloves, like that dude was on it and he was more Ooh. expensive, but I would hire him like in a heartbeat. So there's some people that when you're at that level, um, you can get paid like $750 a day to assist. $750. Yeah. Yeah. Like that exists. Like more common is 500, but for there are for sure people it's like 750 to assist when you're at, it's, yeah. So yes, you could make it. Girl, I'm taking notes thing. right now. Like when's <laughs> the next like, open I'm slot? I'm a professional assistant. <laughs> totally. I'm a professional Lindsay actually, professional assistant. Okay, good. I got oh, a tool oh. belt. I got everything. Got snacks. I want to see you wearing this tool belt. Right. <laughs> what kind of snacks do you like, Lindsay? You want, you want coffee in the morning? What kind of snacks do you like? What am I bringing you on this photo shoot? It's Dove Dark Chocolate, those little, like that. Like my assistants, they're feeding to me all day. Like they're slipping in my hand, they're putting next to my drink, like all day. Uh, and in emergencies, like I, I don't really do much caffeine, but in emergencies, they'll sneak me a five hour. Like if it's a shoot's running long and my energy's low, they'll just kind of put it in my hand, sitting next to my drink. But yeah. How long does a photo shoot usually last for you? 
So that is a very widely ranging like question. It really depends. Most commercial shoots are 10 hour days. Um, and so, I mean, they can be 12 hour days. It does happen, but I'll give you an idea. I do a lot of test shoot days where it's just like fun creativity days. And so we'll set up and start, you know, cleaning up the studio, organizing, whatever at 8 a.m. The creative team, which would be hair, makeup, whatnot. Uh, I usually have arrive at 845. Model arrives at nine. Then the second model usually arrives around 1030. And then I have a third model arrive around one. And so they kind of rotate out for their time. And we usually wrap somewhere between six and seven. And I do that three times a month, sometimes more. These are test shoots? Mm-hmm. So wait, how do you manage three models at the same time? Like they're coming a couple hours after each other. Yeah, so how I usually do is every model uh, for test shoot days starts the same. So they get a clean look, the clean natural hair, natural makeup. So they just get really basic touch-ups. And then they usually go on to something that's a little bit more, I don't want to necessarily say glam, but something like a little bit heavier in the makeup. And then we end with something avant-garde. And so... Um, while I'm shooting the clean, the girl goes into the creative and then I shoot the clean. And so they, they rotate throughout. Um, and I, on a given test shoot day, like I crank it out. I usually get, I get at least 16 images that are like solid, willing to post on social, not ashamed of them, like good quality (laughs) stuff. For each model, 16 images for each model? No, total for like like good images uh for the models i usually give them between six and eight and who for a shoot and and who like a lot of people have questions of like are you paying the models are you paying makeup and hair mm-hmm. or if it's a collaboration does like is it just like trade for print how does that usually work for you yeah so for any of these test shoot days it is purely collaboration nobody gets paid i pay for lunch <laughs> and snacks um that's that's usually what it's involved but um that's why what I try to do for the makeup artist is, that is, well, how I think of it is the models, they always need those clean shots because it's showing them as like the canvas without anything crazy or avant-garde. So we start with a clean shot for them and their agents. Uh, then for the makeup artist and myself, when I say glam, I mean more like commercially applicable. We do a shot that is sellable. Like we know we could put in our books and pitch to a beauty client or fashion brand or whatever it may be. And then the third shot, that avant-garde shot, is usually something wacky for the makeup artist, just something fun they wanted to play around with. Um, So I make sure I check the boxes that everyone's happy. And the models usually get, like I said, maybe maybe about six six images per model. Uh, So at the end of the day, there's between 16 and 20, like, final shots. So what about wardrobe? Um, do you have a stylist that you work with? Because Jess and I have talked a lot about this. You know, we as photographers on test shoots are responsible for providing that. But yeah. if you don't have a stylist and it can get quite expensive buying, you know, clothing or trying to pull it By from return. somewhere. So how do you, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows. You listen, guys. listen, I think literally every photographer in New York buys returns from Zara 
Like it is oh like my God. <laughs> Zara. The employees are listening. Sorry, like, Zara. don't let them return. You know, Lindsay, honestly, I heard if the Zara podcast. was smart, Zara should do like a collaboration program with photographers where it's on some sort of like poll basis because they get so mm-hmm. many returns anyways. It's like they should just have like almost uh, like an affiliate program. It would be anytime, so popular. No, I, I agree. Like anytime that I see in Zara at the return line, there's somebody with a stack like taller than them that they're returning. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's totally a stylist. <laughs> For sure. Um, so a lot of times because I shoot beauty, like one of the reasons I originally started gravitating towards beauty is because I didn't have to worry about excessive styling because it was just another headache. Like if, if styling didn't come together, then I would feel like it'd hold me back from shooting. So, um, I do a lot of DIY stuff. Like I'll make headpieces or I'll, you know, base it on makeup. Um, but I have two wardrobe stylists that I shoot with regularly and those two wardrobe stylists, what what we usually will do is because it's such an effort to pull like to go out and to get the clothing is we'll usually shoot a couple days in a row so they can do like one big pull and one big return and if anyone doesn't know pull is when they go to the designer or they go to a showroom which represents the designers Uh, they'll go in and say hey you know this is the type of imagery that we want to create and then the people in charge whether it's the designer or the showroom tell them what they can take so yeah, they'll usually will shoot like two or three days in a row where they just pull a ton of stuff so that it's one big effort rather than them having to run around for like little miscellaneous thing. Also, some stylists have a kit. Um, so they'll have some like key dresses that they keep and some headpieces and gloves and that kind of stuff. Um, like even for me as a photographer, I, I probably have 20 pieces of kit clothing. Like it's the standard black jumpsuit, the standard black tank top, like just standard clothing that you know most of these models are sample size so they can you know they all kind of fit into it have you ever been in a situation where the stylist shows up and brings in clothes that you don't necessarily like or the makeup artist does a look that you're kind of not loving like what do you do in that situation because it's it's kind of awkward oh my god (laughs) no for sure Um, the answer is definitely yes, which is, I think this is why sometimes it's hard for other people to break into industry as far as makeup artists or hairstylists or wardrobe stylists, because you find a team that they know what you want. Um, and so that's why sometimes it's, it's less enticing to try new people because you're like, oh, what happens if they do something I don't like? I don't want to run into that awkwardness. Like I worked with this wardrobe stylist last year for an editorial. She's like, I've got this amazing poll for a magazine you know, uh, the shoot fell through. And so she showed up with the clothing and it was awful. And I'm standing there and she's looking at at it and like, I'm just like, God, like, what am I going to do? So I never worked with that person again. So there's that, like you just, what did you do? Did you still put the clothes on the model? Yeah. I put most of it in shadow with like a slice of light. (laughs) You can't see all the clothes are like dark and shadow. You just can't even see the clothes. Like that was bad. But, um, for the makeup artist, what I do is I'll usually take a couple of shots and then go, hmm, I don't know. I feel like X, Y, Z isn't working. What do you think? And so I like try to say it gently and I'll shoot like a couple frames. Um, if it was just horrible, heinous, like it just never worked. I usually still retouch one shot for them, but like it'll never see the light of day in my portfolio or social. Not getting posted on Instagram. Mm, we've, no. Listen, we've all done it. We've all 
I've been in so many situations myself, and I know other photographers can relate just listening to this. I know everyone's thinking of a certain time where they had, again, a stylist or makeup artist. The look is not what you envisioned at all. Mm -hmm. So what is your advice? Do you still go through with the shoot? Do you say something to them? I, If it's early enough, because I try not to micromanage because I want to see maybe what they're doing with the makeup, like they're going to go a different direction and I don't know yet. So I try to give them a little leeway, but I also want to catch it before there's the point of no return. Um, I, it's a balance. I mean, that's why trying to create a mood board and be as specific as possible with what you're actually looking for, for inspiration is the best approach. But on my test shoot days, I can be more flexible because if it's one bad look, it doesn't matter. But if it's an editorial, I do have to say something because it'll ruin the whole shoot. Like if it's all based on one theme and the first couple shots are bad, like I'm not, I'm not going to let it carry through the whole thing. It might not get in the magazine if I do that. So I will speak up. So when it comes to magazines, do you pitch an idea to them? How does it work with like... Like imagine somebody who's new to the field is listen, listening to this and they want tips because they want to be in a magazine. Like what would you say mm -hmm. to that person? Sure. There's a couple different approaches. Um, I'll give you the I have no connections approach and the I have connections approach. Okay, okay. great. Perfect. <laughs> um, the I have no connections approach. I actually, I literally just finished this up. I have a, a guide that's free. Uh, it's called Get Published. You can search for it. That has 80 magazines that take submissions. Um, it's totally free and it just, it's, all over the place. Some of them are going to be more natural. Some of them are going to be a little more avant-garde. Some of them are geared more towards sustainability and they only want things that have to do with sustainable fashion designers. So my tip number one is when you are planning a shoot for a magazine, you have to know what your idea is and therefore what magazine it would suit and then do the research on that magazine. So I'll look at it. Are they shooting mostly natural light? Are they featuring designers like like are they are they huge name designers you've heard of or, or not? Are they uh, like if you're not seeing H&M written anywhere, then you better not be trying to put an H&M in there. They're not they're going to run it like you have to realize it's in the style of that publication as well as the type of designers that they they have in the magazine. Um, I'm also looking. Are they going for more overall more natural hair and makeup or are they doing things that are avant garde? Like every every magazine is going to be different. So figure out your idea and where it fits. Um, it's really hard to shoot something and then try to fit it someplace. Like I, I would do your research ahead of time. Um, but the biggest tip for getting into magazines is to know somebody. All right, now, so that sounds obnoxious, right? Like who do you know? But it's not as obnoxious as it seems um, because wherever you are, based like if you're if you go to any of the bigger cities near you, it doesn't have to be just in New York or, or in LA. Um, there's going to be a hairstylist or a makeup artist or a wardrobe stylist. There's going to be somebody who's has been has worked with a magazine and has a connection. So the more that you try to expand your network and make friends with those people, then you can say, oh hey, I want to do an editorial together. Do you have a contact at so and so we could pitch to? Like that's the end because the magazines want to work with people they already know and they already trust. Um, and so the only, the, the way that I got into one of like Harper's Bazaar or L or Marie Claire, any of those was not because I submitted a blind submission. It's because, oh, this makeup artist had worked with them. Oh, this wardrobe stylist just met the editor. It was something like that where they could make an introduction. And it's not like I have some magic, you know, secret publicist. It's just, I made sure I made friends with lots of people. 
It is a lot about good networking too, I believe, especially as a photographer. You have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to, again, adapt your personality with so many different others. This is why I struggle with defining myself as an introvert or extrovert because I know the importance of networking, but I've always found it to be terrifying. Like I've always found it to be awful. And I, I would see people in New York that they go out, they work the scene, they're going to the parties, they're passing on business cards, they're drinking with people, they're doing whatever. And I'm just like, ugh, that looks so awful. Like that's the last thing I want to spend my time doing. So that makes me feel like an introvert. I don't want to go out and schmooze, schmooze with random people. Like that, that's torture. Remember the pro photo party? I saw you. I think they were just kind <laughs> of like, like hi. hey, like hi, Lindsay. I don't want to really socialize with a lot of people. There's so many new people. And I'm like, I know Lindsay. Let me go talk to her. Yeah, I'd rather spend time with a couple of people that I actually you know, want to spend time with. Yeah, so that's why I'm like, I don't know about an extrovert. You know, um, one thing that I get asked frequently is, well, actually not asked, but told, there's a lot of photographers out there who are paying magazines to just submit their pictures. I've heard about this because caviar, right, is the, yeah, um, that's, it's so, it's strange to me. What do you think about that? Because here's the thing. Part of me goes, okay, well, I know that if I submit to a big magazine, like I, I email a magazine like Marie Claire and whatever, they're never going to look at it. They're, they're, they don't know my email. They're instantly going to delete it. So half of me is like, oh, man, if I could pay to guarantee at least look at it, like would I? But it also seems weird because I don't know if everyone who's watching knows this, but these magazines don't pay you. Like what? most of the magazines that you submit to aren't going to pay you a dime. So you're paying to submit and then you don't get paid. Like to give you an idea, when I have a, a beauty editorial in like a, like I'm gonna pick a smaller, but like it'll be Marie Claire Indonesia. I'll get paid like between four and 600 euros for like a full, like a six page story. And I mean, the food and the retouching costs me more than that. Like you're not making money off of editorials. Don't get me wrong. If you're shooting, if you're a big name and you're shooting a cover or a celebrity profile, that's different. Uh, so for all these people paying for the submissions, you have to figure out what you think, what value it's actually giving you. Like what, it, what is it? Are you going to use it for PR? Like say, hey, this is me in this publication. Or is it just to feel good? Like I'm not, like you have so to figure out really why. So why do you really do why. publications? So for you to do like a Marie Claire Indonesia, like is it for your portfolio? What benefit does it mostly have for you? Yeah, most of the time when I'm shooting for publications, it's because when you shoot for a publication, you get a pull letter. And a pull letter is saying, hey, uh, you know, all right, this is Marie Claire. Uh, Lindsay is shooting something for us. Give her whatever clothing or jewelry she needs for this shoot. And so it helps us get better styling for a shoot. Um, now for these, how do you do with client communication? Like if you're doing a Marie Claire shoot, is there someone from the brand that's gonna be on set with you? Are you sending them images? Is it blind and you just give them what you shoot? How does that work? Oh, it totally depends on the publication. That's another one that is, it completely depends. Because sometimes if they're not paying you anything, uh, you submit and you give them you give them the final shots, you maybe give them a little looser edit, maybe instead of, you know, you know they're running six, you give them 14 and then they pick their six. Um, other publications, they want you to send them, not every shot, but maybe a couple hundred and then they'll narrow down from there. 
Uh, and then other times they'll send somebody from the magazine. So it, it really depends on the publication, how curated they are, how much money that they have on the line. Um, so there's not really, really an answer for that exactly. Depends. So in terms of like your post-production process, just walk mm -hmm. us through that a little bit. Do you have a retoucher that you work with? Do you edit everything on your own? Sure. So I retouched everything on my own until I would say we're probably at the four to five year mark um, where I did everything. And then I, I don't, Jess, I don't know how, how fast you are at this, but I would say when it was a beauty image, like to get it perfect, I was looking at an hour and a half to two hours, like to get it looking like I wanted. And so that would mean that every day I'd spend shooting, it was like two days, three days worth of retouching and I started to get busier and it just wasn't worth it. So what I'm usually doing is I am uh, doing the general edits, the exposure contrast, um, uh, some color grade, like an initial color grade uh, in Capture One. And then I will send that off and what's usually it's an EIP file or, you know, if you're using Lightroom, it would be a, a DNG. You're sending it off like a package uh, file. I send that off to a retoucher. And I think of retouchers as important to me as a hairstylist or makeup artist because they got to know your style. Like I don't want my retouching style to go all over the place because when I was doing it, it had a look. Um, mm -hmm. So I have trained basically two retouchers to do my look and my style. I mean, they know what they're doing, but I'd have to tell them whether they needed to push further or come back. And then after I get an image back from the retoucher, I probably still spend 20 minutes on it doing final contouring or fixing the hair or doing like, I don't want them to liquefy. I'd rather handle the liquefy so it doesn't go too far, that kind of thing. It's another person um, when you get the picture, you're like, I, I don't think this is yeah. the same model. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so I definitely work with retouchers now because I mean, right now I've got no work for them to retouch, but there's often <laughs> that I've got like 50 images out. Totally. So like throughout your whole creative process, what's the part that gets you the most excited out of everything? Shooting. Shooting? <laughs> um, the actual clicking and seeing the magic happen. I mean, I think lighting is my favorite, to be honest. Um, I describe lighting as like physical, like it's sometimes actually delicious. I don't know if you've ever done this where you just have beautiful light and you look at the photo and it's, it's like eating candy. It gets, it just, yes. your whole body gets excited and tenses up and it's awesome. Um, so shooting with beautiful light is what excites me the most. And you do a lot of creative studio lighting. I went to, uh, remember, and it was the Canon Hawaii event. You mm -hmm. had like your, there was like different sections of, of, they had photo setups. Your setup was my favorite. You had the oh, gels <laughs> and the flowers. It was so much so fun pretty. to shoot. So I definitely understand like why that it, it is fun. And I, I love the fact that you add and you introduce things like flowers. You use the gels. You kind of create like a set almost. And it doesn't seem like it's in studio. It, it, there's so much creativity added to it. Like what inspires inspired you to do that? So... I get inspired by working with other talented people. Like if there's some photographers that are amazing that are like, they can do everything. They can style, they can do the hair and makeup, they can do everything, but that's, that's not me. Like I feed off of working with other talented people. So, you know, a makeup artist brings me inspiration or I know they can do some kind of amazing makeup look. And so in that case with the flowers, um, 
this florist that I work with uh, here in New York, she actually, um, she does the flowers for the Tonys. Like she's crazy good. And she has family in Hawaii. And so when I knew that the event was going to be in Hawaii and I was like, oh, you know, would you want to come out for that? And because, you know, she's expensive. I don't blame her. And so I wasn't <laughs> sure. And it, it worked out. And so, you know, I said, well, we're in Hawaii. Let's build a tropical paradise out of flowers. And then I didn't micromanage. I had no idea what it was going to look like. I just said, build me tropical paradise. And that's what she gave me. So one of the reasons that this florist, Ivy, inspires me is like I look up to her as a business person. Um, she'll do these huge Indian weddings, like at the Waldorf Astoria, where it's massive, huge, like hundreds of thousands of dollars of budget. And she'll have 150 people working under her and she's at the top of the pyramid telling everyone what to do and managing it. And like that level of production and being both an artist and a business person, like I love that. So I look up to her. Uh, and so like those are the people that I admire, the people that are, are business-minded, creative, and kind. It's like that trifecta is what I love. I feel like you just described yourself, to be honest with you. Oh, I I'm love you. I'm being serious. Like <laughs> when I, you know, and the thing is you are very well known in the photography community and very well respected, um, you know, for a good reason. You represent Canon. You've done so many shows with them. I've seen you on stage, but still you're so humble. You're so approachable. Like I remember, I will never forget one of my friends, actually, he's like one of your biggest fans. He's friends with me and he came up to me during it was it was the WPPI Expo and he was saying how he ran into you and telling me the story of how like he she just asked you about like helping him with something and you he told me you sat down on this couch with him and helped him for you were talking to him for like 25 minutes he's like I didn't even expect her to like you know talk to me for that long but she was giving me so much advice and I showed her my work and I'm like that's who she is. Like, it, there's not a lot of photographers who would do that. Like, you literally sat on the couch with him and, like, we're helping him. I love that about you, that you're Aww. so, so humble and you have this amazing platform. Like, I don't know. It, I just, I love it. I love that about you're, you. No, you're super sweet. I don't know. I think, um, I, I feel like there's more photographers nowadays that would because I feel like we don't hide our secrets. I feel like maybe in the past, people were like, oh, you know, th there wasn't, YouTube and there weren't tutorials. So like, oh, I'm not going to help you because then you'll know my secret. But my, my theory is the more, first of all, the more that I share my secrets, the more I better get better because other people are going to catch up to me. So it makes me push. But, um, I also think of, I had encouraging parents and from the beginning and I, they, I was attending classes and like, I was lucky enough to figure out what I wanted to do. But what happens if you figured out what you wanted to do two years ago, nobody supports you and you want to make a go at this. Like there's a ton of people who are like that. So if I can help that person, like that feels awesome. That's, you do that's help a, a lot of people. Pretty powerful. You're on stage, you know, for the the expos. Talk to us a little bit about being an explorer of light with Canon. How did that come about? Because that you was your dream when you were younger. It was. It totally was. Um, I, I remember saying like I want to do that. I want to be that someday. And uh, I think I was. Maybe 20 or 22, and I approached um, the guy at the time that was the head of of the explorers, and I said, "No, I I'm not saying I'm there yet. I'm not, but I would love to know how someone becomes an explorer." And the guy was rude, <laughs> and he was like, "We come to you." 
So just go do your thing. And if we're interested, we come to you. And I'm like, that's not really what I was asking, but okay. Um, So (laughs) fast forward is um, I started teaching. I started teaching like in, in, I don't know, I was like maybe 23, 24. Not because I knew everything, but it was because Lightroom uh, was new. And so I started by teaching at my local photo club. Like it's this cute, it's a group of all people like, 50 plus, but more like 60 plus. And I was like teaching them how to do basic Lightroom and bridge and like file management when we, we all switched over to digital and stuff. Um, and so I always thought in the beginning, if you know, these people had it, it, like, it was so cute. My little old photo club, like, ha- like these people came to my, my graduation party. They bought me like gifts. And I had like little camera earrings from like my, f- it was so cute. Um, but anyway, so these people, they'd helped me grow and encourage me. And so I was like, oh, well, let me, you know, let me teach them something that they, they don't necessarily know. And so I started teaching something that no one was an expert on, right? Like it was a, a new, a new software and a new technology. And so I realized how rewarding that was. And so then my teaching just kept kind of growing because I enjoyed that so much. So they, they ended up approaching you, right, Canon? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I, for a while, started teaching at miscellaneous conferences. I worked with several different brands. I worked with Sigma. um, And eventually, the guy that was rude to me originally um, got fired slash retired. I don't know. And I literally got a call like, like, it it was less than a month later after that guy was gone. So I was like, wow, they heard what he did. And they're like, let's fire him. No, no. (laughs) Yeah. But also, I was one of the like, they had hardly any women, uh, any female EOLs at all. And now they're doing a much better job. And they brought on a a lot of of female talent, whether they're EOLs or just represented by Canon. uh, Because I think Canon realizes how important female voices are now. So they the reason I love working with Canon is because when they hire me to teach things, they aren't telling me, hey, Lindsay, you need to show them why this camera is the best and why they have to buy this lens. And they never say anything like that. They want me to help people be better at what they do. Sometimes they'll hire me to teach business, which has no mention of Canon at all. Sometimes I'll be teaching lighting, which is not necessarily camera heavy. Uh, because they genuinely just, they said, you know, do whatever's best for the community and being associated with, you know, educators that want the best for the community. That's what we want. Like, that's what we want to get out of it. So it's like, they're a great brand to work with. I definitely agree about, you know, having more female voices because for, for some time, I always felt like there was a lack of like inclusivity, not even just females, but just like, you know, different ethnicities too, especially it with and the camera still brands. Are. There's still a problem. Yeah. Oh for yeah, sure. I I definitely agree, girl. I know we should start our own thing. We should just like yeah. invite some people. Well, and the, we like we actually I have conversations with brands about this. Is because it's they'll they'll say you know um, we want to be associated with the best of the best, but because there's not enough representation of whether it's women or certain races at the top, then some of those people aren't aiming to be educators and so i regularly push the agenda of trying to encourage brands to work with diversity for this and not just for the sake of diversity but because it's important to growing the communities as a whole um i think it's getting better but that doesn't mean that it's fixed it's not i know slowly but surely slowly but surely it's nice to see you up on the stage though i love seeing um like strong independent female photographers 
you know just going out there and doing their thing and teaching like what's like how do you feel going up on stage do you ever get nervous (laughs) like there's a lot of people watching you (laughs) i don't get nervous at all anymore um i used to when i first started and i remember like there were certain ticks that i used to have i don't know if you have anything like this when you're nervous but like um mine would be like i'd scratch my thighs (laughs) like so i'd be like getting ready to go on stage and i'm sitting there all nervous and like freaked out um it's, no, now I don't, now I don't have anything, because uh, I, whenever I go to these conferences, I never, I don't have a hostile environment. The people that I'm speaking to are there because they want to see me speak and they want to encourage me and they want to learn. So I'm talking to people that I can see as friends. Like it's not, so it's not scary. Like no one's going to, also there used to be, it was always guys. I'm not, I'm not on a guy hating rampage. It's nothing like that, but <laughs> that would in the beginning always challenge me. Mm. like they would try to they would try to pick apart certain things I would say to say well whether it was wrong or try to whatever uh but I found that when I spoke confidently enough up on the stage it went away so they would like interrupt you on stage they would ask questions that were purposely meant to try to undermine something I said um or be like super technical when like Clearly, I simplified things for the sake of educating everybody, but they're trying to ask to see if I didn't know something, which I did, you know, like that kind of stuff. Also, it's okay not to know everything as long as you're not portraying yourself as being an expert on something and then being full of crap, you know, and misguiding people. Yeah, but they don't do that anymore. Ooh, I love this. Lindsay's like, don't try me. <laughs> no, for real though. I'm going to be that one person in the crowd next year. I'm going to be like, Lindsay, can you um, describe the Fs, all the F stops? I just make up something. And you're going to be like, Jessica, security, get her out of here. <laughs> security. Oh man, wait, uh, true story. So I, ha- I had a stalker once. I'm sure you've had one. No. But what was the weirdest thing about mine is it was a woman. Really? And, yeah, no, she was super crazy and she would go to the events there's only, she went to like, it was short-lived. Like this was very short that this happened. It was like, it was like maybe over a four month time period, maybe six months where she would show up and then she'd come up to me and like next to me when I'm talking to somebody and then start twirling my hair. <gasps> like, like, like touching me. And, and then one time oh, she no. was waiting, she was waiting to talk to me and uh, I had some place to go and then she like, started shouting. And so there was the, the final straw was like, I was trying to be, you know, this person isn't right. Like you, I'm not trying to like, you know, this person isn't right in their head, but the final straw was when it was an event that was way out of the city. Somehow she had gone to it. It was like in Connecticut. And it was a, I was to the side of the stage, just about to go on. And right before they announced me, she came up and kissed me on the cheek and then kept no. walking. And then they said my name. So I'm all like, flustered and upset i had to go on stage like that and so then so then we we had it handled i was like oh my gosh so there are like well i mean they had the event tell to her that she was gonna get the cops called on her and stuff like so it's not there's there's people out there that are are crazy but for the most part like i've had no problems like you usually and the and the your presentation and people are usually like really happy to see you and and not like twirling my hair <laughs> and weird stuff oh my gosh i would not no. like that girl if somebody touched my i've been like i would have taken care of that myself I've been, let's go i'm gonna it touch was, your hair shocking yeah, i bet you would so too i've listen i have a big mouth like i'll I get myself in trouble but i'm usually this pretty is, tame 
So this is why I must not understand like introvert. Cause like you seem like a mix of an introvert and extrovert cause you can take care of yourself, but it means you don't get your energy from other people. Like, but you're, sure. you're not quiet when you need to be like you. I could be your bodyguard. I could stand next to you and be like, don't touch your hair. Let's see. <laughs> but I understand you try to be nice to everybody. It's, it's, it's hard because there is a balance of like, you know, the, you're an inspiration to these people. You don't want to come off a certain way. So I totally understand where you're coming from, especially you. You're literally on stage at like every expo. So people definitely know of you and they want to come see you. They want to take pictures of you. Have you had any like memorable fan experiences? Oh God, no. No, everyone's just super nice. Like they, everyone's super nice and like it, there's nothing bad or good. There's people that are like, the, it, if someone cries, it's not because they're like crying because like, oh God, Lindsay, it's because they're emotional about they, they love their, their life and their job and photography. It's not, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not like, oh, I'm crying over my, my because I'm a fan. Right, yeah, yeah. right. It's just because like they're, they're um, um, so excited and emotional. Yeah. Um, no, everybody, like seriously, 99.9% of like of people are so sweet and encouraging and people wait in line at like one of these events for like 20 minutes just to say hey Lindsay I really enjoyed your class I'm like you just waited 20 minutes to tell me that that's so sweet that is so people cute. are awesome the photography yeah. community is so, is actually really like really cool and really nice it's like the best I community agree. to be part of part of because it, it's so diverse and but people understand there's like you know it's still professional but they're still like hey like good job like those jokes were funny Totally. Yeah. And sometimes you just need to, to hear that when, <laughs> especially, I don't know how often you do this, like for teaching, but for me, like, you know, sometimes you use the same jokes over and over again and you know, people have heard them. Like, you know that they've heard it three times and you're like, oh man, I know I'm, I'm, I'm recycling my, my uh, content here. Somebody in the crowd's like, I heard that Lindsay, 2016, <laughs> like, Hawaii exactly. event. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh. I'm not particularly funny. That's all right though. Come on, yeah, don't you don't give yourself enough credit. Come on. Uh, in the the scheme of uh, guys, my boyfriend is the best guy ever. Aww. And you're the best girl ever. You guys complete each other. And Murphy, <laughs> you can't forget Murphy. Murph. Oh, Murphy is the best boy. So Chris is currently on the couch because Murphy decided to sit in his chair. So he, Chris got displaced. No, <laughs> baby boy. Is there anything you want to talk about in particular? Like anything we can like yeah. mention you guys are very thorough like you covered a lot of the important we know things you now. like life experiences and things i value um here's one no, thing I, mean, I might want to know though one one yeah. thing that might be interesting have you struggled with anything as a photographer that you were kind of like near quitting almost or did you not have a moment like that well okay so here's the thing I got a lot of my struggles done when I, like big struggles done when I was young. So I feel like, and maybe, I don't know, it's weird because when you're young, sometimes, I'm talking like teenagers, sometimes you know, you're more insecure, so you take failures harder. But also when I was younger, I felt like, well, yeah, of course I won't be good at this. I'm only 16 or what, you know what I mean? So it was, I was more fearless and it was more okay for me to fail in my mind because I, I was like, no, I have a lot, lot longer, a lot more to go. Um, I had, like in college, I don't know if any of you had this, 
my uh, emotional break <laughs> for like a year where I was a disaster and uh, like a life just went off the rails out of control. And so I kind of didn't know it wasn't that if photography was going to fail, it was just my life was going to fail. But that is like a whole other discussion. Um, so, okay, that was my life this year, 2020. <laughs> okay, so yes, so you relate. Corona. Yeah, I had, I had like, it was like, it was about a year of, of lack of focus and constant not success. However, um, I, I really have always known that photography was going to be it. It was just never, never a question. And like, don't get me wrong, like right now, with all that's going on in the world, I have zero income coming in. <laughs> like, you know. I will support I, you, Lindsay. I got oh, you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. No, but um, so I... I I get how that struggle will be real for everyone. Um, and I think it's I think it's hard to give appropriate advice because one side of the piece of advice is like I want to say, come on, everybody, like stay busy, stay productive. Um, like I have certain techniques that I'm using right now to try to stay focused. I, I give myself timers. Um, so I'll give myself a 20 or 40 minute timer where I have to put away the phone, put like put off turn off the email and like focus on whatever that task is and like I'll, I'll get a lot done in a day but then the other half of me wants to say like this is stressful don't worry about it if you can't be super productive like don't like don't be hard on yourself so I don't know which way to encourage people because half of me want to say like use this time to to change your life and build something new and the other half it's like it's okay to binge watch Dexter like <laughs> I, I don't know I'm on episode on. 30 yes I need to see what happens who he kills next right because that's what he does kill people kills yes. people yeah. Right. So I just think for for everyone right now, like the, I think a lot of people will come through that of trying to figure out what's next. Um, and I don't know if it's comforting to know that they're not alone. <laughs> you know, uh, sometimes it makes you feel better, and sometimes it's like, I mean, this is this is my life and my struggle. So I I hope that uh, because we have such a warm and encouraging photo community, like we just said, uh, it it at least builds a sense of solidarity. So are we going to be seeing any TikToks soon? And where can we find you on TikTok? Is it Lindsay Adler photo? Oh, gosh. I, I Probably Lindsay Adler underscore photo. I literally signed up yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> I'm about to search right now. Yeah. There's nothing up there. I have I have a TikTok about the coronavirus. I was upgraded to first class. <laughs> what? I really? Up, yeah, they upgraded me to first class for the first time. Because it was empty? Because it was like empty, yeah not this is totally different just remind me of bad air, airport experiences relatively recently i was traveling and i had a hard drive that got messed up oh, um no. so what i had done is i had duct taped it just so that like it didn't fall apart and when i got and i was coming back either from i think it was from dubai like i don't remember exactly where we're coming from but I guess people use stuff like that for explosives. So I had to, <gasps> so they saw it and thought that it was an explosive oh. and they literally called over security and I plugged it into my laptop, but it wasn't uh, detecting it. And so they started oh, to like, like freak out because, yeah. yeah, because they're, they're like, you, you need to show me what it is. And so I plug it in and like we sat there and it like, no joke, I think it was like six minutes before it actually like registered it oh. as a hard drive like and so then they let me on but it, so just so you guys all know when you're traveling from the middle east they make you plug in all your stuff and to prove that it's an electronic that actually functions oh like i thought i was gonna miss gosh. the flight they're freaking out wait so was it was your hard drive not working is that why you had to taper or was it just falling apart if no it was it you know where the 
the cord meets like it was yeah it, like right here. it like shattered yeah, yeah yeah so like it shattered and so i had taped it so that it would stay in place i mean it's not like the right way to do it have oh, you ever had a memory card or a hard drive that stopped working many <laughs> through my <laughs> lifetime i've been shooting 20 years now that's like to you know give perspective um yeah i've had a bunch of hard drives fail throughout the years and one time i i fired an assistant like on the spot forever because she was already on two strikes and I did a shoot and I passed her the card because it was on location and she lost the card before we got it backed no. up. And this was, I don't know, like maybe seven, eight years ago. So there wasn't two card slots. It's not like that kind of thing. It was like, here's the one CF card right. at the time and she lost it and that was a commercial shoot. So what did you what do? Did you do? They lost... Well, thankfully, I was changing cards relatively recent, uh, like quickly, and so they only lost a look. So, I mean, there was nothing I could do. I just had to tell them that I, well, I lied. I said it was corrupted. I said the card corrupted. I didn't tell them that my assistant lost it. Oh, you're good. That, that was really nice of you. Yeah, but I fired the assistant. Well, that's <laughs> always. <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. Nice. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, man. That was so smart of you, though, to be shooting so rapidly and then transferring them out. I mean, you'd have to. Well, because back then, cards, too, right? like back then I was I was freaked out, too, because like we started to get big cards like, you know, like this is I don't know. Back then, I guess it was like 64 gigs was huge. And to mm -hmm. my mind, I'm like, oh, my God, I could do an entire shoot and it could get corrupted. And so I would shoot like a little bit and pass it off because I was like too afraid to use the capacity of the card. That's um, really smart. Do you back up yeah. everything? Like so you have like second backups? Yeah. Well, so now I've got everything under control. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So usually what I'm shooting, uh, I'm shooting tethered. So one copy goes to the computer right away. And then second is being written uh, automatically to a backup hard drive. And then we have another tower that at the end of the shoot, uh, things get put on the tower and then I can eventually wipe them from my desktop. So it's in two places. Well, Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on. And you can go ahead and just let us know again where people can find you online and any last words. You guys can find me if you want to see my tutorials at Learn With Lindsay. Or if you want to check me out, Instagram is where I'm sharing my work most often, which is Lindsay Adler underscore photo. And it was nice chatting with you girls. You kept me laughing the entire time, whether it was about dating bidets or who knows what. So <laughs> thanks for having me. And then thank you guys for tuning in as well. And you can follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Light News Podcast. And you can check out our website at lightnewspodcast.com. And until then, we will see you guys next time. Bye.